Are you seeking a better way to accelerate your sales, to scale your business, to live a life with no limits? Accelerate Sales Podcast features global experts who have cracked the code to recurring revenues with proven sales systems and get you on the fast track to scaling. Now let's accelerate your sales with today's episode. Hi, I'm Paul Higgins, and welcome to the Accelerate Sales Podcast, episode number 425. Today, you're going to learn some incredible things, but three from the top are the number one rule of marketing that most B2B businesses miss. The second is how to nail your strategic partners, a great example. And number three is the golden hippo offer and how it will make marketing easy for you, but most importantly, make it easy for people to buy from you. If you're a first-time listener, please subscribe if you love the show. If you're a regular, always welcome those reviews on whatever platform. Apple is one of the best. And also, you can get some show notes on the app you're listening to. You can get more detailed notes at paulhigginsmentoring.com. And you can also get the full transcript if you want. And before we go into the interview with Alicia, I'd like to thank a couple of our sponsors. One is the Cloud Consultants Collective, where cloud consultants work on sharing ideas around business, sales, and marketing with their peers. It's a great community. It's free. It's on Slack. And you can find out more at the cloudconsultantscollective.com. And the other is SendSpark. So our guest today mentions uh, UseLoom, which is a great platform. But I personally love SendSpark. It allows you to send personalized videos at scale. They've got a great new feature where you can do a little introduction, but have a core video that attaches to it. They make it very easy to do that. And uh, as Alicia says today, video is a great way of gaining more clients. So you can get six months free by going to paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash send spark. So our guest today, uh, after launching, you know, only 450 funnels and building two sales funnel and conversion teams from scratch in eight-figure businesses, one of them she mentions in the interview, Alicia Conlon Heard is now the co-founder of Persuasion Experience, a funnel and conversion agency that focuses on post-click experience. She helps businesses to increase conversion and scale their ads with the PX Funnel System, which uncovers what your target market really wants, how to find your radical differentiator, uh, say that quickly, and also make your competitors irrelevant, and how it creates your golden hippo offer to stand out from the sea of boringness. And believe me, this golden hippo offer is a classic that you're going to hear. So what I'll do now is hand you over to Alicia from Persuasion Experience. Welcome, Alicia. Great to have you here. Hey there, Paul. Excited to be talking to you about everything funnels and conversions today. Yeah, well, i got to say, when I did a survey recently to our community, the Cloud Consultants Collective, by far marketing came up as number one. And mm. when I talk to most of my clients or ones that are uh, potential clients, they always say, you know, I love referrals. I get a lot of them, but I just don't have consistent leads and I just don't have that you know, marketing and sales engine uh, at the front. So that's why I sought you out to have you on because I know you're a world leader in that. So um, why don't we sort of kick off with uh, who your ideal clients are and what sort of problems you see uh, and probably some of them that I just mentioned. 
<laughs> yes, definitely. So what we do at Persuasion Experience is we really focus on the post-click experience, right? So a lot of people don't have their foundations of marketing set up and they wonder why they can't scale and they can't get more leads or clients. And so this is target market. This is understanding those target market in their words, how they do it. So going into a big problem, especially with these really techie B2B SaaS companies, which we work with a lot, they are really, really smart. They have the curse of knowledge, but then they try to describe what they do to the target market in their own words and not their target market. So we work with these high ticket Uh, clients that are usually in B2B sales, they have really ambitious growth goals, but they need to create a predictable, scalable lead generation machine to help them get there. As you said earlier, they usually have an over-reliance on referrals and they've just been trying random stuff. They're throwing tactics at the wall. Nothing's working, inverted commas, right? So we help them to set up that game plan so that they can start bringing in on inbound those highly qualified pre-suaded leads. And then there's a lot of other problems they have, but maybe we'll unpack that naturally in the call. So I don't monologue and rant about the problems. <laughs> no, no, look, that's, uh, that's perfect. And yeah, I think it's, you know, I myself so often have said to, you know, someone helping with my marketing, I, I know, I know my stuff, you know, I know I can help this person, but it just seems like I can never put in a format that, that makes exactly. it easy for them to buy. Right. But, you know, I look at my website and I, you know, I go, oh God, it's just not, it's not me. Or I'll have a great conversation with someone. And then I think, oh, how do I then put that through my website and, and make those changes? So, you know, um, I'm sure you've come across that a lot. But when when people come to you and they they say that, how do you break it down? Like, how do you make that process of getting the natural language, like you said, of the client more into the collateral and the 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 marketing that um, your clients are doing. Yeah. And so for anyone listening, because everyone kind of feels a bit bad about themselves when they can't do their own marketing, right? It's really hard to be objective about your own marketing because you're just so knowledgeable and smart about what you do. So we've worked with 450 different clients and this is everything from startup scale up different SaaS brands all the way to billion dollar brands like Wayfire and Linktree. And everyone has the same problems. And that's why they bring in someone externally to help them with this. And so the easiest way, especially when I'm working with my techie clients, is to remember that marketing is just inputs and outputs, right? Garbage in, garbage out. So the very first input that we work on to getting right is your target market. And it's kind of the unsexy side, especially because if you're in SaaS, you're really like obsessed with the features because you put all your heart and soul into this product and creating these features. But we often have to say, you know, like people can rip off your product. That's not what's unique. What's going to build a competitive force field around it is the psychology, not the technology. And really understanding what is that dream outcome for your target market. And so one of the journeys we go on when we're understanding this and understanding the target market being that key input is remembering that nobody sells a product or a service, right? We all sell entry into a desired after state. And often when we can figure that out with our SaaS clients, that is where the penny kind of drops and the marketing really changes. So let me give you an example. We worked with a SaaS company, a big one, and they were the number one cloud software for writing a, a, fiction, a nonfiction novel or a fiction novel, right? Yes. And so it's like, yes, okay, that's very technically what you do. We surveyed their customers 
thousands and thousands of people. And these two ideas kept coming back. And that was, I want to finally finish my book. I have this idea in my head. I keep stopping and starting. I can never finish my book. And we also found out they wanted to become published authors. That was like the goal, right? So it's not like, yeah, you have this awesome software, but that is just a vehicle to help them hit that dream outcome, that big transformation. And so we then reframed it to be, this is the number one cloud-based software to help ambitious authors finally release their first novel and become published. And then we could start building in more stuff on the back end for that. But that's just that, that way of shifting it, right? Like you need to serve your customers and you need to get obsessed with them. And there's lots of ways to do that. But hopefully that's an example to help people to see what I mean with this dream outcome. Yeah, I think that's that's, that's a great example. And when I was at Coca-Cola, it's a, it's a bit of an old term now, but we used to sell always, you know, you sell the sizzle, not the sausage. Yes. <laughs> and when you're, a, when you're a sugar in a can, you know, you've got to be very creative around selling mm-hmm. the desired state, right? Because no one really wants to drink sugar in a can. So, yep. um, yeah, so I think that's very relatable. And, and, you know, like you talk about SaaS companies and, you know, so, you know, you listening here might be thinking, but Alicia, I'm only the partner of a SaaS company, right? I don't have the budgets of a SaaS company. Um, you know, I, I sort of struggle with marketing because I might be turning over you know, $100,000 a month. You know, can I afford someone to come in and, and help me? And, and that's what I often hear with people is like, I, I just can't, I love to fix my marketing, but I can't afford it, mm. right? So, you know, what do you say when you hear potential clients say that to you? Or if you do, you know, what, what, what would you say? Yeah, well, I never get a price objection, but <laughs> I understand it, right? It's like we, we have a limited budget and I would just say, can you afford not to? The best product doesn't win. It's the best marketing wins, you know, and maybe in the long term, if you've got good marketing and a crappy product, you will die out and people will catch you out. But effectively, the best product with the best marketing is what's going to win. And that's whether you're a service, that's whether you're a software, that's whether you're e-commerce, whatever it is, the best marketing will always win. And so even if you can't afford to pay somebody else, can you afford not to learn it yourself? And this is the other thing, right? Like a lot of people get confused about what sort of business they're in. We're all in the business of marketing and sales. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you're a dentist. It doesn't matter if you sell software. We're in the business of marketing and sales. And so probably the most the most uh, baffling question I've had on a sales call that will always stick with me because I didn't have the perfect answer for it at the time because of my curse of knowledge was, Alicia, why do I need a funnel? And I was like, well, you know, it helps you to build a predictable scale and more machine and blah, 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 other answer here. And after the call, I was like, wow, why was that question so annoying? Not because the person asked it, but because I didn't have the greatest answer. And it's because a funnel's not optional. So there's all these people out there that think, oh, I don't, I'm not going to make a funnel. It's optional. But a funnel is just the touch points that somebody has with your brand or company or business, right? So that's everything from what, what we call the messy middle, what they find online when they Google you. That's the first call. That's the first email. That's the first landing page. It's the first piece of value. It's every single touch point. It doesn't end at acquisition. It's everything that somebody has with your brand. And all of these little little touch points can be leaks, right? And these little leaks can sink big ships. And so all you need to do is just really figure out what are the touch points. That's your funnel. And you'll start to find that there's little ways to optimize to improve revenue 
throughout your whole funnel. Yeah, and, and you know, you know, you hear a lot about the customer journey, mapping the customer mm-hmm. journey, right? So, how does a mapping the customer journey versus looking at your sales funnel? How do they differ? Or are they one and the same? I'm- so it can't, it's this is where it comes down to jargon. So I'll use Alicia jargon because yeah. I'm the guest and I'm allowed to use Alicia jargon. But <laughs> there's so when we say buyer's journey, if if anyone's in front of a computer and you want to pause this, go and look up Eugene Schwartz's five levels of awareness, right? And that's everything that happens right up before they buy. And that goes from unaware, like they don't even realize they have a problem, to yeah. most aware, which is where they're looking at competitors and they're deciding who to go with. The thing is, Nobody wakes up and goes, oh, I need this service. They are going on this buyer's journey, whether you want to hold their hand and help them through it or not. So a big mistake a lot of companies make is that they just focus on in-market leads or the most aware. And they forget that people have a series of problems and questions and conversations that happen in their mind that lead up to, I'm ready to buy now. And that's only about 3% of the market, right? So that's when we're saying buyer's journey, that's how we think of it is that that first stage up to buying. Now, your customer experience, that's everything from the first sales call or signing up. Then that goes from activation, so making them a sale. But then there's what's the onboarding experience. People people forget often the salesperson in the courting experience, it's a very beautiful thing because they offer you the moon and the stars. And then what happens is there's the time before it where the post-purchase dissonance can hit. And then there's the onboarding call. And then there's what happens after the onboarding call. Have you got the first 30, 60, 90 days of customer delight set up? How do you have a purposeful word of mouth strategy? How do you, uh, what's your next logical step? How do you increase LTV? How do you get more revenue? How do you get referral? And that's what we call the rest of the, that customer or client journey on the back end. Yeah. And and just so I'm clear, does your agency do both or do you probably yes. focus on the buyer? Yeah. The stuff at the back end is what excites me because that's where it starts to become math, right? That's where you can start to really figure out how you can make more out of each of your clients or customers, and then you can spend more to acquire them, yeah? The more that you make from a customer, the more you can spend to acquire. And as Dan Kennedy says, those who can spend the most to acquire a customer will win at business, yeah? So that's that's the stuff that is exciting, but you have to solve the biggest problem, right? The biggest leak, and that's the acquisition machine at the start. And that's what people need help with. And that's coming up with this offer, this what we call a golden hippo offer, that's going to make you stand out from a sea of absolute boringness because we work in B2B and most people are boring. <laughs> and it's standing out from that and giving people what they want to hear and entering the conversation in their mind. Great. Well, we'll, we'll come back to that golden offer in a, in a moment. But where does RevOps fit into all of this, right? Because there's, once again, there's a world of RevOps at the moment. There's a lot of jargon around it. Where does that sort of, does that interlink with with what we've been talking about or is that completely separate? Well, with what we do with RevOps, it depends on the function of RevOps, right? Like, so for you, for most of your listeners, how do you think they would define RevOps or how do you think RevOps is working within their company? Yeah, I think for most of them, it's that, it's the the segue between marketing and yes. sales, right? So that's what I'm finding is now the RevOps. You know, it's like we're not two silos now. We're actually got one person that's looking after both of those. 
Yes, exactly. And so this is important in your go-to-market and this is important in just your general marketing. But I think what RevOps is for a lot of companies, and obviously we're a small agency, but we work with a lot of companies and I've worked in a lot of companies, usually it's making sure that you have a connected, integrated strategy across your marketing, sales, and customer support and aligning the mission multiple times. So for example, when I when I was at Founder, which is a People might notice found a magazine. We did a lot of course launches. So even though it wasn't called RevOps, because I was the head of sales funnels and conversions and launching these new courses, that was basically my role. But I had to make sure that we understood who to market to, what do we need to operate effectively, when can we scale, and and like how can we grow the most. And so RevOps sometimes isn't called RevOps, but it's the person that brings all of those teams together and makes sure that they're aligned on the same the same mission, right? Yes, yes. And I'm just looking very clumsily here, but uh, I did have Nathan Chan on the yes. on the podcast, and I'm just uh, I'll I'll let I'll let everyone know which one uh, shortly. But it was uh, he, he was fantastic. He uh, met Nathan a couple of times, and yeah, uh, he he's done an amazing job. And I'm sure yeah. you've got many of pleasant stories to tell about about Nathan. But uh, if we go back to the spend for a moment, and Mm -hmm. I don't want to harbour on this, but, you know, rough rule of thumb, when we used to look at businesses when we were at Coke, it was like 8%. So you should be spending about 8% of your revenue in marketing. Now, I'm thinking 8%, if you, you know, you're listening to Alicia here, you know, I, as a guest, think that most people don't spend anything near eight percent of their marketing. <laughs> what What have you got as a, a uh, rough rule of thumb, or is there a rough rule of thumb when you're selling high ticket B two B sales? Yeah, remembering I come from a world of direct response and not necessarily big brands. So I work more with SMEs, and so yes. maybe the the Coca Cola might be a little bit different to the to the blunt force trauma rule that I'm about to. <laughs> to talk about. But look, if you could have a machine where you could put $1 in and get $2 out, why in the world would you cap that machine with a budget? So I yeah. honestly think marketing budgets are for people that don't know how to scale. You either have a marketing budget because you're testing, which is great. I think that you should spend 80% of your time and resources scaling what's working, making it better, fortifying it, testing new things. But you should be spending at least 20% of your budget on testing new things. And this is the problem with most businesses, right? They're scared to test and they're scared to get it wrong. They're scared to, inverted commas, for anyone only listening, waste money. They're scared to be innovative and they're scared to test new things. And so they have this budget, they restrict themselves. And it's like, if your marketing was working and you wanted to grow and you had the capability internally to facilitate growth, you know, because sometimes you have to cap marketing because you can't fulfill. Why in the world would you have a marketing budget? It makes no sense. So that's how I think about it. You have a budget for testing, but if something's working, you keep making that better and fortifying it and you pump money into it to hit your ambitious growth goals. Yeah, look, that's really smart. And I think, you know, also some of the things we get is the chicken and the egg, right? Like, do mm-hmm. I build my sales up to fund the marketing mm-hmm. or do I spend on marketing that's going to make sales easier, right? So, you know, often yep. I have that debate with myself and a lot of other people that we that I talk to as clients have the same debate. What's your view on, on, on that if you've got a view? So I think a lot of companies are obsessed with running ads for a good reason, right? Immediate results, immediate traction. There's two things I want to talk about this. One is that people don't have their foundations right. 
so they can't so they don't know how to scale so what i talk about is like they have this house and it they've built it on sand and it just keeps sinking in sand and they keep putting little band-aids or if you're Aussie, like some Sally's no gap and you're like, ah, okay, it's kind <laughs> of working. But if you just came in and you built good foundations, which is target market message, offer positioning, you would know what to do and your whole company would be on the same page and it makes life easier. The second thing about that is because that's, that's how you, you can't do anything until you have that. And that's why most marketing fails because they don't want to do that unsexy side of sitting there deeply thinking about it. The yes. second part is they're obsessed with ads. If you're not running ads yet, you do not need to run ads as the first thing. That is not the only channel strategy out there. So for our agency, in our first eight to 10 months of business, we still haven't run any ads and we, and this will be small compared to a lot of what you made, but this is just two people, mind you. We made just shy of half a million dollars, not spending a single cent on ads, right? And so that was all from strategic partnerships. So that's one channel you can go after. So what we thought about was, okay, who already has spent the time and the money and the effort to capture the attention of our ideal customer and already has their trust? Because imagine that if someone, like a referral we know is really, really strong. So we worked with, as an example for us, traffic agencies. We weren't running any traffic. We solved a different problem. They didn't want their clients, you know, going out there and seeing who else was out there with a full service agency. And it was a really good symbiotic relationship. So there's a lot of other ways to get, not even necessarily creative, just understanding that there's other channels that you don't have to spend heaps of money on to make it work. Yeah, look, I think that's that's great. And, you know, for me, I've normally got four ways of, of you know, gaining more revenue. And it's, you know, start with your network first because there's yes. always people that once you identify that target market, you look back at your network and think, oh, I've got a whole ho mm -hmm. host of those that I've never spoken to in this way before, right? So there's that. So I always think, you know, start warm with that. Then there's, you know, your uh, SaaS partner. So most most of you have got a SaaS partner, you know, get to know them better to get leads. The, the third is LinkedIn. So LinkedIn outreach, I think there's lots of opportunity there and we're doing amazing results. There. And then there is the strategic partners, which I completely mm. agree. So it might be a private equity company that has got 40 portfolio companies that is perfect for you if you're doing, you know, for an example, one of my clients is selling accounting seed, which, you know, fits in beautifully with Salesforce for those clients. But one of the hardest things I hear and I've often seen with strategic partners is there's this dance, right? So you start the dance and everyone's really happy and, you know, it's going to be great and then there's nothing happens, right? Mm. So, you know, for you, you've been very successful in getting traction. You know, how have you gone about getting that traction? What makes the difference between a, a nice first meeting to actually getting a, a solid strategic partner? Yeah, the, the goal is you want to make it easy for them and remove the friction, right? So you want to, and this is the same as when you're creating a purposeful referral strategy with your customers. You want to, you know, like inception them so that when they're having a conversation with somebody that script's already in there, you're like, hey, I do this and I solve this problem for these people. And people, people want to refer you, not for you, but for them. They want to be the person that connects you they, they want to be like that connector. So if you can show that you can be that person, then they're going to naturally want to refer you because it, it looks good on them to connect you with the person that they want to help. 
Now, yeah. in, in our instance, how do we make that easier? So we're dealing with a lot of account managers, right? If you've ever been an account manager in an agency, that's really hard work. <laughs> You're yes. usually juggling anywhere from 10 to 100 clients and you don't like, and then I'm asking them, hey, can you send me someone so I can make money? Like what? That You've got to remember. Yes. So what? Who cares? What's in it for me? Everything's an yes. offer, right? So first of all, you've got to build trust and show them that you can do it. Then the second thing is we made them partnership pages. So all they have to do is when it, we, we talk to them, when it comes up in conversation, they send them this very special bespoke we have one template and then we put their logo on it. That's why I'm being a bit sarcastic, right? And then they send that to the client and then the client is pre-framed and educated. It comes from a trusted source and that person, when I talk to them, is ready to buy. It, yeah. But I have to make it then in my due diligence as a salesperson, I have to make sure it's a good fit because with great power comes great responsibility, right? Just because you can sell it doesn't mean you should, but they come wanting to buy from you, which totally changes the whole conversation and the whole framing of your sales call. Yeah, look, I think that's so powerful. And that's how we've made it work. You know, Taki mm-hmm. more once when I did a program with Taki, and you probably know Taki mm-hmm. was very much around, yeah, give them all the assets so it's so easy for them just to do, you know, and you summed yes. it up beautifully. So I agree. So if you're listening to this and you haven't succeeded in strategic partnerships, just do that, right? Just make it as easy as possible. And I always had two landing pages. One was for their end client right? And then one for them so that they mm. could just go to a page when they're busy and it just had step-by-step exactly what they need to do. And then yep. that links to the page that they give to the to the end client and then uh, everything's great. So you spoke about an offer, right? This golden offer. So tell us what, what makes up a golden offer? So the golden hippo offer. Hippo, this- sorry, I, hippo <laughs> I know, you forgot the buzzword, the hippo. So <laughs> this, is, this is it, right? Most companies that I work with, they put up a very generic, boring landing page. Sometimes they smush all of their services onto one page. So if you're doing that, that's a big slap on the wrist and I will come for you in your marketing dreams. But (laughs) what you need to do is have one dedicated landing page that's about one product or service that you do. And then there's going to be a call to action, right? So most people have these generic call to actions that that no one cares about, right? And it doesn't help you to stand out. So when we're creating this golden hippo offer, it needs to one show the show what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. So a lot of people with this curse of knowledge, they're like, "Oh, well, we do all this stuff," and they start talking about the need to hear. But save that for the sales call right now. You're selling the value of this phone call, and you want to show them that they're going to come off better than when they went in. So as a very simple summary. And I have a lot of videos on my YouTube that show you how to do this. Or there's an awesome book by Alex Homozy called $100 Million Offers, which kind of summarizes a lot of what has been happening in the direct response world, but very actionable book. So number one is figure out that dream outcome. What are you going to be getting them towards? Call your offer that. Then you figure out like the three biggest problems that you can help them to solve on this call and show them in bullets that they're going to to get that out of you. So you don't want the call or you don't want the call to action to smell like a sales call. You don't want it to feel like I'm going to be chatting with a desperate commission breath salesperson (laughs) and it's going to be really uncomfortable, right? You want to shift that frame and become more of a consultant, become more of someone who's going to provide value and make their lives better, whether they go ahead with you or not. And this is the part that a lot of businesses struggle with. It's like, oh, we need the money. Like, 
No, you you need to provide people value. Then the money will come. And when you can reframe your sales from like a hardcore sales call to a diagnose, prescribe and problem solving with value, it even just shifts the mindset of the people taking the call and will make a huge difference in your sales like culture. But that's how we think of the call is you want them to talk with you. They need to be motivated to it. You're trying to shake somebody out of inertia and say, hey, speak to a stranger on a phone. No one wants to do that, like you know. And so you have to figure out how to give them value on that phone call. Yeah, Brent. And if you want to see some examples, because I know Alicia practice was what she preaches, go to persuasionexperience.com and also the YouTube channel. And that link will have in the show notes. But it's uh, Alicia Conlon heard you will find her in linkedin and youtube once again we'll put that in in the notes and um look you know i think it's it's a really good point and and like you said i think the curse is greater with technology companies mm-hmm. i find and um you know so therefore the upside is is much greater right and yes. if you are sitting here thinking oh, this is it's just not me right i know that's but you know you might be sitting here and thinking it's just not me well the great point is get someone in to help you. I've got someone working for me at the moment. I spent 18 years at Coca-Cola. I was a marketing director at a point in my career. So, you know, once again, I don't do my own marketing, right? Mm. Because it is one of the hardest things you're ever going to do. So, you know, get someone in to make what you've already got. You know, you can deliver it. You know, you do a great job. Just get someone to put a lovely bow on it on the front of it. And, uh, you know, Alicia's a great example of that. So, Alicia, what we're going to do is go into the deep dive, but it's more rapid fire questions that, that I'll it. ask you. So you ready for that? Yes, let's go. The okay, hot seat, so, Eddie McGuire, so, Alicia Conlon heard. Let's do it. <laughs> so what are some of the sales habits that you do every day to help you grow your agency? So for us, it's always just providing value. So I, I don't know if I have a habit per se, but stuff that I always want to do is one, Loom videos. I think they are so underrated, but every time I send a Loom video, L-O-O-M, and I send that as a follow-up with the proposal and because you have a little face and you can share your screen, people's minds are blown and it's a point of difference. So it's just always like, how can you remove the friction and how can you provide value. That's what I'm always about. And also I don't take on anybody that's not a good fit. So make sure that you're diagnosing, prescribing, you know, if you don't need to amputate somebody's arm and you can just give them a Panadol, that's what you should be trying to figure out in those sales calls. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Love that. And, um, and where do you go for more sales education yourself? So I love listening to Zig Ziglar. That's who I grew up on. I was a salesperson long before I was a marketer. And people that are uh, more recent, Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, they are absolutely amazing. And Jeremy Miner, who runs a company called Seventh Level. They're all, and there's there's many, many others, but that's my fast answer. Yeah, brilliant. Excellent. And uh, if I could grant you one wish for your business right now, what would that be? Do you know what? Because I, I heard you ask this question on other podcasts and I was like, what would my wish be? And you could wish for anything, right? Give me an extra million, give me an extra hundred clients. But one thing, because we're, we're new to running a business, we've always been part of business and startups, but that would give you certainty. And one of the things that I've had to become good with about running a business is being creative and embracing the unknown and being okay that you'll figure things out along as you go. So I don't know, this might be like a lame answer, but it would almost feel like cheating. Like, and that's, 
and I would almost feel like I didn't earn it. And so I prefer to earn it. And yeah, I probably wouldn't want to wish for anything because it would feel like I didn't, didn't earn, earn what came to me. Right. Great answer. I haven't had it before. And I think it's a good one and it's unique like your marketing should be. So the last one is, and it may be a bit related to that, but what have you, what do you know now in your business journey that you wish you had known a little earlier? That if you just understand your target market, your marketing is easy. If you're trying to write copy, if you're trying to do anything, I bet, and it's and it doesn't feel like it's coming naturally. And we sort of do it sometimes internally. We're creating a new product at the moment, right? And I was like, Matt, who's my co-founder, this is hard because we haven't done enough research on the target market. <laughs> like we don't understand them enough. We don't, we don't comprehend their pain points, their hopes, their dreams, their fears, what what keeps them up at night. And that's why this is hard. So if yeah, your marketing is inputs and outputs. It feels like the unsexy work. But if you do that and you truly have, some people call it an ICP or an avatar that is super detailed and you truly know them, geez, like your business will just become a lot easier. Yeah. And then look, you know, everyone heard the saying, you know, build it and I will come and that never works. And, build it and they uh, will ignore it. Correct. <laughs> and, and just a quick example of that is the Cloud Consultants Collective, which, you know, I started in January and effectively I'm building the audience and the audience is telling me what they want. And at the yes. moment we're doing a, a pilot on a membership and I said, I want two to five people. I think now I've got the problem. I've got about 50 people wanting it because I heard, I knew what they, not to use a pun on your your surname, but you know, I heard what they really wanted, and then I've just gone and done that. I could have done anything, right? I've mm. run memberships before, I've run communities, I've done lots of things, but there was one thing which is they wanted a mastermind, right? And they all have said it in their different ways. And all I've offered now for the membership, paid membership, is is the mastermind where they get together themselves and work. Like yes, it, you know, once again, it just came from listening to my target market. Build, building that audience and if and if and if you're struggling with that at the moment get help reach out to alicia so persuasive experience persuasion experience persuasion i know experience. we didn't make it easy did we here's two no? words that are hard to spell sometimes and say <laughs> go find That's us right. well the link's <laughs> going to be there and also yeah. uh, check out some of those youtube especially about that golden hippo as well which is um alicia conlon heard you can find her on YouTube, LinkedIn as well. So, Alicia, brilliant having a a fellow Melbourneian on the podcast yeah. today, but also thanks for dropping a lot of value and really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me and letting me rant about funnels and marketing. I love it. Thank you. Love that interview with Alicia. How much energy did she have and also knowledge? And I love how she said, you know, it's obvious, but you just got to get help with your marketing, right? So find a way to do that. The other one is I love the term you're selling the psychology, not the technology. And I think we all fall guilty of that being cloud consultants. We love what we do. And sometimes that can be a bit of a weakness. And also the Nathan Chan uh, interview that I spoke of, uh, Nathan's a, an Aussie uh, legend who's uh, yeah just doing great things around the world. Check out his episode at number 72 and uh, share what you learned from Alicia. Share it on her LinkedIn. She'll love that and she'll certainly uh, share that with others so you get some great coverage. And don't forget her YouTube channel, which is Alicia Conlon Heard. So you can find that and a LinkedIn, the same handle. And links will be in the app you're listening to. We'll also have them in the show notes at paulligginsmentoring.com and you can get a full transcript, as I said. And why not 
share this with others, right? You'll know peers that are really struggling with their marketing, their offer. So why don't you share it with them and they'll think you're a rock star and it'll work really well. And check out our solo shows. Don't forget that free community, the Cloud Consultants Collective. And finally, as always, please take action to accelerate your sales. I'm fired up after today's episode. What about you? But hey, before you go, learning is just one piece of the puzzle. Now it's time to put today's strategy into action. Head over now to today's show page at paulhigginsmentoring.com forward slash podcast and share how you'll put it into action. Be sure to head over to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Tell me what your favorite episode is. And don't wait one minute more to gain access to your pulse check at paulhigginsmentoring.com. This could be the difference between struggling to get more leads and making this next quarter your best one yet.